Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. So we're going to pray corporately as, as, as we prepare ourselves to transition into hearing God's word today. It's going to be it's going to be right on the screen behind me. If you wouldn't mind lifting up hands just as a sign of reception, just as a physical sign of the posture of our hearts as we prepare to dive into God's word today. Pray this with, with me. Spirit of God, open up my ears to hear, my eyes to see, my mind to understand, and my heart to discern what you want to speak to me today. You have my full attention. And everyone say, amen, amen. Come on, Lifehouse. We serve a good God. He loves you so much. And I don't know about you, but I'm celebrating the fact that I don't have to worry about another NFL season with Tom Brady. Praise God. Can we give God some praise? (laughs) Yeah, we see a lot of people clapping. A lot of people clapping. Before you sit down, just turn, greet somebody, say hi, say hi to somebody, give someone whatever you feel comfortable with, a high five, a dap, a shoulder, a air hug, air high five, whatever. And you can be seated today. Man, it is so good to be back in church, isn't it? Online is good, but being in person is so much better. And we are so glad. Thank you, sir. We are so glad that you are here with us today. One more time, if it's your first time here, we just want to say welcome. Lifehouse family, can we just give it up for all of our first-time guests joining us today? So glad that you are here with us. And if Lifehouse is your church home, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, welcome home. We love you. We're so glad that you are here today uh, to be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness and love for you. And we're excited. Today is Vision Sunday, and I'm going to dive into that in in just a second. Before that, though, one thing that I want to bring to your uh, uh, attention is not not next weekend, but the weekend right after that, um, February 18th and 19th. It's a Friday night and Saturday morning. We're doing something called Vertical Marriage Weekend. So if you are a married couple, engaged couple, or you have friends, family, coworkers that you know could use a little assistance, help in their relationships, we want to invite all of you out to Vertical Marriage Weekend. It's going to be a Friday night from about 6.30 to about 8.30, and then a Saturday morning about 8.30 till about noon. Child care is provided. The best part, it's $10. So invest in your most important relationship on this planet. That is your spouse. And so if you would like more information about that, you can text our church phone number, which we say it 1,400 times a service, it seems like. 757-690-2401. You can text engage. You can text couple. You can text hitched. You can text what whatever love, marriage word you want to text. You can text that. Or what you can do as well as you can go on our website, lifehouseonline.church, and scroll all the way to the bottom to the events page, and you should see it right there as well. But we would love to get as many couples as, as we can so we can all invest because, y'all, I'm telling you, if you don't invest in your relationships, it's just like, you know, regular maintenance on your car, right? You take it in to get oil changes. You take it in to change tires. You take it in to get it inspected. And that's what these opportunities and times are in our relationships is you have the opportunity to invest, invest, right? 
Okay, cool. All right. Well, hopefully some of y'all will take us up on that. But hey, to, today I am excited. Oh, snap. Yep. See that? See, people, if you are in youth, my life house youth people, if you are in the building, you can now be dismissed with Pastor Christian. They're actually doing a series on relationships, on dating and any sort of relationships. I'm sure teenagers don't need any sort of influence on that. You know, they got it all figured out. They tell you that all the time. They got it figured out. They don't need need you. They know it all. But if they would like to just go and maybe learn something else, they could go with Pastor Christian to Theater 20. Let's 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 y'all give it up for Lifehouse Youth. We love them. So excited that they are in church being poured into. And so we pray that you guys have a great time. But today is Vision Sunday, and Vision Sunday is a special moment in the life of our church where we get to look back, celebrate all that God did in and through Lifehouse in 2021, and then we get to look forward and say, what do we hope God does in 2022? Now, a couple things, right? Vision, Sun- Vision Sundays, I've noticed a couple things. If it's your first time to a church on Vision Sunday, you can be like, this, I, I picked the worst day. But actually, I think it can be the best day because today you're going to hear the DNA, the heart of our church. So if it is your first time here, I think today is a special day, a perfect day for you to join us. Secondly, sometimes I think whenever people hear churches share their vision and what they hope to see God do, what people can sometimes think is, oh, great, I'm getting more burden. Like, John, you you know, because here's the thing, right, today, I'm like, we can change the community, we can change the world. And some of y'all be like, I can't even change my habits. Can't even change my life. You want me to go change the 757, right? <laughs> you know, like, so, so, so really what you can, like, hear is it's great. It's more burden. It's more stuff that I've got to do. And I know all y'all are busy. We're all busy. We have a whole lot going on. And the least thing that I want to do today is give you more burden. But here's the thing. What the... What we're going to share today, the vision of a church should not be something that we're trying to get something from you. It's something that we're trying to get to you. It's something, it, it, it really is an environment that we are trying to create so we can get something to you today. And really today, it's going to be a walkthrough of what the Lord has shown us in 2021. And like I said, what we hope to see God do in 2022 and beyond. But before, we want to take a look back, and we want to share a video with you really quick of what God did in and through our church in 2021. It, it is exciting. Check this out real quick.
exist to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. Come on, Lifehouse. Can we give God some praise for all he did in and through our church in a crazy year? You know, half of our church has been in the midst of a pandemic. So, you know, just think back in 2020, we were just on just about two and a half years years old, and now we're in 2022. And, and so, it, you know, just think our church is just over four and a half years old. And so just to see all that God has done in the midst of that four and a half years, and in, in the midst of even last year, is, is just a testament to God's goodness, but also to your faithfulness. And so we, from the bottom of my heart, none of that would have been possible if it would not been for all of those that call Lifehouse home and invest their time, their talent, and treasure into the, into the belief in what God has called us to do. But one of the things, this is all great, we celebrate it, but let me tell you one of the things that I think I am most excited about that God did in 2021, and that is clarify, uh, clar- clar- clarify, refine, and get us laser-focused on what we're called to do moving forward. Because let me just be candid with you. When we started Life Lifehouse, our goal was to grow a big church. We just wanted to grow big and fast and quick. Many people as we can, as fast as we can, whatever way we got to do it, we were just going to do it. And we started large before the pandemic. We, we were, you know, busted at the seams with two services, and it, and it was great and good. And God was doing things in spite of, like, we had a lot of zeal but not a lot of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? We, we had a good desire but maybe the wrong intentions. And one of the things that I feel like God did and, and God spoke in 2020. One wasn't wasn't what what wasn't just about and here's the key statement that I God spoke to me clear which here's the thing God usually speaks to me through wisdom or scripture it's not very like clear some sometimes I kind of like dig it up I got this premonition or this kind of like feeling or sense and I kind of you know inspect it and, and, and stuff like that and then I kind of conclude this is what God's saying but but it was wild in 2021 i felt the lord say clearly at the beginning in january when i was praying about our church john it's not about how many it's about what kind and we had been so focused on trying to build a big church but no direction or clue what we were hoping to do with the people we had now for someone that loves growth and loves growing quickly and loves to see things moving this was a kick in the throat because it, it was very different from what I had been taught and trained and even what the 21st century modern-day United States church teaches many times. But whenever he's, he spoke, of, uh, he, and he said it's not how many, it's what kind. Throughout this year, we've been fleshing that out and really trying to discern what is the Lord saying. And it was crazy. As I looked in Scripture and, and kind of examined this whole not how many, but what kind, I looked in the Bible, and I realized God has never needed a lot to accomplish his will. <laughs> like... Like, it's absolutely wild. Like, whenever you think Jesus did not call 7,000 disciples, he called 12. And that times even shrunk how many people followed him because of what he taught. I even think when the church was just getting started and they were, you know, and they were praying in the upper room, there wasn't 10,000 people in the upper room. There was 120. Gideon, I think of the Old Testament story when Gideon, when God had told Gideon, stand up, warrior, I'm going to call you to go and lead my people and fight. And they got up, and he had this big army, and God said, it's too big. It's too big. you got to lower the number. He's like, 
what are you smoking? Like, no, we, we, we got an advantage here. We got a lot, you know, and he did it one time. He did it two times. Then finally he did it three times. They got it down from like 30,000 to like 300, and God said, boom, that's your number because it was too big. And, and as you look in, in Scripture, I saw this theme of like it's not about how many you have, but even with Gideon, he was saying, I need a certain kind of person. And so examining where our church was heading and what God spoke, it was like there, 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 was, there, was, this, there was this tension there. And I felt like throughout 2021, we've prayed through this, we've wrestled through this, and we have finally, I believe, gained crystal clear vision for our church that isn't based on becoming a certain number or becoming a certain size, but is now focused on raising up this, a certain kind of follower and disciple of Jesus. And that is what I want to share with you today. Because here's, here, here's, here's the thing, right? Even when you look in the very early church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, right? This is an account that the, the historian Luke wrote, who wrote the book of Acts. And he wrote this book as a very early account of the church. And one of the things that he describes about the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through, through 47, I want you to listen to this closely because I want you to hear how things were kind of like ordered and put, and then we're going to talk about it. It's, he says this, all the believers were devoted. Now, let me preface this by saying 120 people were praying. The Holy Spirit fell. It said it, 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 it was like fire. They all started to speak in different, langu- in different languages. People were like, what in the world's going on? Peter, who was the coward who couldn't stand up to a servant girl, got up in front of 3,000 people, preached the gospel, 3,000 people got saved, and the church was born. Now we hit this. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So do you see how it did not start off with the church wanted to get bigger? And then the Lord added. No, it was they practiced being a certain kind of person. They were devoted. They were community-focused. They had incredible generosity. The power of God was moving with signs and wonders. They, were, they shared meals together. They met in each other's homes. And as they were doing these habits and practices and, and disciplines and becoming a certain kind of person, what was the byproduct? The Lord added daily those who were being saved. So we're not saying, oh, we want to be us five and, no, us four and no more. I was like, no more doesn't rhyme with five. <laughs> I was like, us five and uh, we're alive. Like, I don't know, us four and no more. We're not saying that. We're not saying all we want is, is just what we have. But what we are saying, the focus isn't just growing to be a certain size. The focus is on raising those certain kind of people. I want to share with you a video by Steve Jobs. Might seem a little out of place for Vision Sunday. Completely understand. He's not a Christian, not a pastor, not a ministry leader. But I, when I saw this video, it, it helped me understand what the Lord was saying. It, it helped me in my mind, because typically, whatever, like it, it helped me put it into an, an, a, a very 
understandable framework for this, not how many, but what, but what kind. Check this out. Um, one more question, and I think we're going to call it a day. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm Molly Wood from CNET. I have a, a question actually about market share, which is sort of what we're getting at. There has been a suggestion that because of pricing and design, Apple tends to appeal to kind of a smaller elite rather than that sort of mass customer base. And so I guess once and for all, is it your goal to overtake the PC in market share? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what our goal is. Our goal is to make the best personal computers in the world and to make products we are proud to sell and would recommend to our family and friends. And we want to do that at the lowest prices we can. But I have to tell you, there's some stuff in our industry that we wouldn't be proud to ship, that we wouldn't be proud to recommend to our family and friends. And we can't do it. We just can't ship junk. So there's. There's a, there are thresholds that we can't cross because of who we are. But we want to make the best personal computers in the industry. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying we could have more market share if we compromised the quality of what we do. But we are not compromising the quality of what we're hoping to build and do so we can get more market share. You know what he's saying? It's not about how much, it's about what kind. It's not about how much market share we have. It's like what kind of products are we creating? Are we proud of it? We can't ship junk. And here's the thing. The heart behind that is, is that when people call our church home and they get planted and then they go out to the outside world, we have, we have disciples and followers of Jesus that 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 are going out and being and people are like, man, these people like really love Jesus. Like they follow him. It's wild. Like they love each other. It's crazy. Like they're they're like relationally healthy. Like they they know who they are and 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 and, and they serve. They're not spectators. Like and man, they handle their stuff differently. It's crazy. Right? Like that's we 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 want to we want to send to the world a certain kind of person. Neil, Neil Cole, a pastor and theologian, he shared, or he wrote this book, and I saw this quote, and it shook me. I remember reading it two years ago. He said this, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. It's a punch in the throat. Because just think about what the church has focused on for so many years. Preaching, programs, praise, and property. If those are good, all right, we strike. But many times that does not always equal discipleship. So we're, we're not demonizing. We're going to keep preaching God's word. We're going to keep praising. We're, we're hoping one day to have our own property. If anyone wants to donate any to us, we'll gladly take it. If anyone wants to give us money to buy property, we'll gladly take it. Uh, you know, but we're not down on programs. But it's, it's those are not the end in and of themselves. They, the purpose of them is to help people have a, tra a trajectory in their life towards becoming a certain kind of person. Are y'all catching my heart today?
I see in my heart today. Let me share with you the vision of our church that we share each week that we want to constantly present before you so we can all be reassured and, and, kind of re, uh, and kind of reminded of where we're corporately and individually heading. Lifehouse exists to invite all people, everyone say all people, to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, being a disciple, doing life together, being in community, getting in the game, being equipped to serve, and leaving a legacy, being a steward. I'm going to break this down today, share my heart, pour my guts out. I appreciate that, whoever you, you are. I appreciate you shouting me down. But we, I, I, I'm, and I mean honestly, I just want to pour my guts out, out to you and for you to hear the heart and vision of what, what, of what we believe God wants to do. First off, Lifehouse is to, to invite all people. I just want to remind you, God's heart is all is is all people, not some people, not some people that vote a certain way, that look a certain way, that have a certain amount of money. God's heart is all people. God is the great inviter. He's the great inviter. Adele Adele Calhoun says this. She says, "God initiates relationship. God invited." Abraham, the Hebrew people, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, David, prophets, fishermen, tax collectors, outcasts, women, men, crowds, enemies, betrayers, liars, and children to know him and be with him. doesn't matter if you were on the paid staff of hell. God's invitation goes out to you again and again. Everyone is equally yet uniquely invited into God's world and God's heart. Not one tribe or people group is excluded. The great inviter says, come to my dinner party. Come be with me and meet my guests. I want to remind you, 1 Timothy 2, it says this. It says, God, our great Lord and Savior, who wants all people, everyone say all people, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The most diverse place that you and I will go is heaven. And if you can't get used to all people now, you won't get used to all people then. And here's the thing. God is the one that, that decides who, who goes where. where, where that's, that's above our pay grade. But our job is to love all people, serve all people, honor all people. Does this mean we agree with all people? Heck no. But one of the values of, of, of our church is we honor everyone. Why? Because everyone's made in the image of God. And the lens we see people through is not a lens of what separates us. It's a lens of what unites us and we're made in the image of God. God is the great inviter. So that is why we want the vibe of our church not to be, Lifehouse exists to force all people to live an uncommon life. Lifehouse exists to coerce all people to live in. Lifehouse exists to condemn all people to live. Lifehouse exists to shame all people. No, no. Now, we don't use that crap because God doesn't. Lifehouse exists to invite. Jesus said, hey, come, come, and, come and follow me. Come and see how good I, I, I am. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is in the vibe, even with your family and friends and coworkers. It's not like, yeah, you're going to hell, bro. You should come to church. It's just like, yo, it's just, it's just like, yo, man, like we have, yo, it's like, it's like we have a community, man, that there's more for you. There's more for your life. Lifehouse exists to invite all people. God's heart is all people. Our heart is all people. And thankfully, God's given us all, all people. I love our church diversity. Because to me, when I come in every Sunday, it's a reminder of heaven of what heaven's going to ultimately be like. But he's saying, invite all people to live an uncommon life. This word uncommon comes from John 10.10. 10. If you've been in church any amount of time, you know it. Jesus said, I came to give life and life what? Abundantly. 
came to give life abundantly. And that was Jesus talking, written, written down by the Apostle John. And he was like, Jesus was saying, I came to give you Zoe life, like God-like life, full of life. And then I give you life abundantly. And that word abundantly is the Greek word parasos. And this word parasos in the connotation in the Greek language, it does mean exceeding, abundant, extraordinary, but it also means uncommon. It's different. It's not ordinary. It's not normal. Like when, when you see Jesus' followers, not that we should be weird, but there should be something different. Not that we, y'all know what I'm saying, right? But there should be like this uncommonness about us. And the way we see uncommon is wrapped up in these four intentional practices. The, the, when we say we, that we want to invite people to live this uncommon life from looking at scripture, the totality of scripture and Jesus' teachings and putting it in, in, in the kind of four different quadrants and practices and disciplines, the way we see it as in, we want to invite all people to live this uncommon life by following Jesus. And the Christian word is discipleship, where literally the goal, the direction, the trajectory of our life is heading in the direction of becoming more like Jesus. This means we see Jesus the right way. We don't see him as, as a genie that if we say the right things, he'll give us what we want. We don't see him as, as some sort of yes man that just is going to agree with everything we do. We don't see Jesus as being this kind of like cosmic sugar daddy that we go to whenever we want something, and we only go to him whenever we need something, or he's not a get-out-of-hell free card. He's Lord, he's Savior, he's King, and he is worthy of all of our lives. And the direction and the trajectory that we are moving in, the goal of your life is saying, I want to be more like Jesus. And what we teach at our church is the three R's, reckon, repent, and reorient. Reckon means you count the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus said it. And I don't want to, you know, but at the same time, what you give up isn't compared to what you get. There is a cost, but at the same time, you reckon, you count the cost, you repent. Repent means to rethink. It doesn't mean you, you just feel sorry for what you've done. It literally means, in the Greek language, repent means to rethink. And the way we teach it here is we say, with Christ, you go all in. So, so just think you're playing poker, and each one of those poker chips is a part of your life. As you follow Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I'm going all in so you can help me rethink every area of my life according to what you say. This includes sex, this includes relationships, this includes money, this includes politics, this includes technology, this, this includes relationships, this includes power. Everything in your life you put in the center, and you say, Jesus, help me rethink everything according to you. And then we reorient, meaning Jesus isn't a side chick. He's not someone that we just orient, that he is orienting around our life. He goes from being out here to being the center, and then your life revolves around him. That's what we're talking about of saying we are moving in the direction, and we want to have a church full of people that take following and being in discipleship to Jesus seriously. We say this, we're not training, we're trying. So we're not saying you have to be at a certain point, at a certain, at, at a certain place, because we're, we're all starting from different points, but the starting point is Jesus. And all we're asking you to do is to start from where you are with Jesus and enter into a life of training where you're, we're saying, I'm not trying to be like you. You can't try hard enough. We all stink. We all fail. We're all going to give it up. We're, 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 we're not trying, but our life is our classroom. So our life now goes from being how happy can I be, how, how great can I be, how much money can I get, to, Lord, your life, my life is your classroom. Use it to make me to be more like you. And you enter into a life of training. We're not focused on perfection. We're focused on direction. 
So we're not saying that, you know, you enter into this life of perfection, yet we do enter into this life where the trajectory and the direction of our lives is intentionally going in the direction of somebody. And that is Jesus. Do you hear my heart today? What if we had a church full of people intentionally heading in the direction of Jesus? This is our heart for you. We're not something we're not trying to get from, from you. Secondly, we want to do life together. In other words, be relationally and emotionally healthy. Where, because honestly, y'all, I mean, just, just think about how much of our lives, like we want to do life together, we want to be in relationship, we want to be nice to people, but we're hurt, we're wounded, and we're broken, and we have habits, hurts, and hang-ups. And we have experiences that we've had in relationships that hinder us from getting into life-giving relationships and from doing life together. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is even within the church. So what do we have at church? We have pseudo-community. We have this, hey, how's it going, brother? Oh, I'm good. How you doing? Great. All right. And that, for many people, is the depth of any relationship they have at church. There's barriers. There's barriers to this doing life together. Superficiality. We can put up, we, we can fake it because we don't want no one to know the real us. Co Codependence. So we have unhealthy expectations of relationships. We expect people to save us. So we throw on them all of our stuff. And when they fail, well, you, your church sucks. When they're, they're not God. People going to fail you. People going to fail you. You got to have the right expectations of relationships. Thirdly, it's like we can be preference-based. It's like we can look at people and almost like, well, what you going to do for me? You, what kind of vibes you going to give me? Are you going to add to my peace or not? Right? And we can, like, we can judge everybody like, well, what are they going to add to me? And we become preference-based or we just straight isolate. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to show up on Sunday. Peace out. People crazy. God is great. Beer is good. And people are crazy. Right? Like, you know. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you get into this, like, I've been hurt. I'm not going to get hurt, hurt. I'm not going to get hurt again. And it's these sorts of things. If we don't strive to be relationally and emotionally healthy, the idea of doing life together is good, but the habit and practice will never happen. Because in order to, 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 for us to do real life together and be in real community requires us to be practice self-awareness. One of the things that I have been praying, Lord, make the unconscious in my life conscious. Because honestly, a lot of the things we're driven by, we're, we, we have thoughts on, like a lot of the things that we do that are toxic are many times unconscious to us. The habits, the mindsets, the, the way we view people and we interpret people and we kind of typecast people and, and we project onto them previous experiences we've had. And, and then so it's hard for us to have real relationship because we're just extremely wounded. But in order for this to happen, like you got to have God's perspective of people. Right? And one of the things that I love that John Tyson said, he said this, he, he, and he's quoting 2 Corinthians 5, 16 here. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, wrote the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, meaning we are no longer filtering people based on cultural categories or personal preferences. We have a lens of divine value. I love that. That sees every person as Christ does. Jesus had a filter of honor for all he encountered. Regardless of the contempt their culture showed them, he saw differently. He saw differently. He didn't see tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, outcasts, or Samaritans. He saw people crowned with glory, worthy of welcome and recognition in the kingdom of God. And if we're, the, the starting point for doing life together has got to be we all have not just practical tools to help us get healthy, but a spiritual lens to see people that is given to us as we receive Jesus and grow in him. So now we don't see people through a 
filter of what separates their race, their color, through their, 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 socio, their socioeconomic status. We don't see them through their political affiliation because those are things that are secondary and will divide us. We now see them through a, a divine filter of honor where we see them as made in the image of God. Do you know why every person deserves our respect and for us to give them them dignity? Many times it's not because of what they believe. Because many times people, what people believe is crazy. And many times what people say is crazy. But we give that to them because the divine stamp of God is on their life. They're made in the image of God. And that is the first filter that if we're going to do life together, that we see them through. It's not what separates us. It's what unites us. And that we are made in the image of God. And if they've been received, and if they've received Jesus, then they are blood-bought in the same way you were. And that if we are going to do life together, it's practical and spiritual. Like we, some of y'all need, need Jesus in therapy. Not Jesus or ther- therapy. They're not opposed. Because one of the things therapy. The therapy does is it helps you to reframe what you've experienced. It helps you to get your mind right. You know what scripture says? It says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's not Jesus or therapy. It's Jesus and therapy. But one of the things we hope to do at LifeHouse is to provide a place for you to actually receive this. And, to for, and, and for you, not to just give you Bible verses, just love each other, man. That's great. We need that. We need the word. But many times the word made practical is somebody walking you through an experience and helping you reframe it. It's spiritual and practical. So, look, we want to create an environment of church where you can get relationally and emotionally healthy. And we don't have pseudo community. We don't have fake community. We don't have superficial community, but we have real community because we've been vulnerable, we've been self-aware, we've worked through our stuff, and we let and we invite Jesus into the pain so he can be what he declares he is, the healer. And he can heal your mind and, re- and restore it. Thirdly, though, we want to have a church that gets people in, in the game. We want to invite our people to live this uncommon life by following Jesus, disciple, doing life together, being in community, and thirdly, getting in the game. And this is simply you intentionally moving in the direction of knowing your practical and spiritual gifts so you can serve in the body of Christ. Because here's the thing, what's killing Christianity is spectators. Is where we're like, John, that's why we pay you, man. Go get in the game, play. Go, John. Run hard. Touchdown, John. You know, Touchdown, Pastor Dwayne. Touchdown, Pastor Tiff. Touchdown, Kristen. Touchdown, Carrie. And this is great, and we want that, but do you, scripturally, do you know what leaders in the church are called to be? Equippers. Ephesians 4. It says pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles, prophets, like they, they are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. M- to, to uh, what was the other one? M- maturity. To bring to maturity. And thirdly, bring unity around a common vision. We are called to actually honestly be like the coaches and to encourage you and inspire you and put tools in your hands practically and spiritually so you can get off of the sideline and get in the game and be the body of Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul was speaking to a divided church in 1 Corinthians. And this church is all over the place, morally, 
theologically, and they're divided. And Paul reminds them, look, you are the body of Christ, meaning the way the world will see a physical representation of who Jesus is won't be by Jesus coming back and being within the flesh. It will be by his church coming together to be his body and taking their spots and taking their positions and finding who who they are in Christ, what practical gifts and spiritual gifts they have, and then operating and functioning in and getting in the game and playing your part. That was the plan. The plan wasn't to have a few few paid professionals to go out and do the job. It was to have people, every believer is a minister. Do not be deceived in thinking calling is only for those in full-time ministry, or calling is only for missionaries, or calling is only for prophets. Calling is what you have as a Christian. The Great Commission was not only given to leaders. The Great Commission was given to disciples. And one of the things that my desire is is to create an ecosystem and an environment at our church that gets people off the sideline and into the game. But there's barriers, let's just be honest. Some of you feel disqualified. You know who I am, John? You know what I did at the club last night? (laughs) I don't know. I heard someone say something, but it was funny. Right? It's like, but but some of y'all have disqualified yourself because of your past sins and your past or current struggles. Look, God is, I mean, yeah, it's like God doesn't expect perfection. He wants willingness. And even as you're being healed and as you're being sanctified and as you're being brought back, God will use you exactly where you are. But secondly, it's like you're in a season of life, like you're so busy, Jesus can't even fit. Thirdly, like, John, this is what we pay you for. That's what we pay you in the, the passport. Or you might view the church as something you go to instead of a vision you join. It's a mission you're a part of. Don't get in the United States lie. The church is just something you go and consume. The church is just something you go to. It is not just an event. It is a body. It's, it's, it is a living, breathing organism of people that come together and say, this is what I've got to offer This is this gifts I have. This is what I can do. And we work together and we are a physical expression to the world of a Jesus that cannot be seen. We, the church is more than that. So here's the thing, right? We, you, us are the body of Christ. And also too, right? You might say, John, you're trying to get get my time. And like I said, the vision of a church isn't what we're trying to get from you. It's what we're trying to get to you. Every time you serve, it it is a practice training opportunity for you to do something outside of you. Every time you intentionally say, I want to do something outside of myself for somebody and serve, what you are doing, it's a formative act that will make you more like Jesus himself, who even Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, I came to serve. He said, the greatest among you will not be those who are served, but the greatest among you will be those who do serve. It's serving is a formative act that shapes you and forms you and gets you in the direction and the trajectory of becoming more like Jesus. Are y'all here in my heart? You're here in my heart today. Follow Jesus. Be discipled. Do life together. Get in community. Get off the sidelines and get in the game and serve. And lastly, leave a legacy. And this is all about at the end of the day. This is all about how you handle and steward and use anything that God has entrusted to you. 
you see your stuff differently. Just let me, just let me tell you, as a follower of Christ, ownership of all your stuff has switched, has switched. As a Christian, you now own nothing and steward everything. And stewardship means you invest or you, you manage what has been entrusted to you by somebody above you. And you manage it in a way that benefits the one that entrusted it to you. So now as stewards of our stuff, of our time, our talent, and our money and stuff, instead of saying, what does the culture define as success? What does the culture define as being important? Now we say, Jesus, what is success in your eyes? If it's yours and you've entrusted it to me, what is success? And y'all, collectively, stats, stats say Christians in the United States give away 2% of their, of, of their income. I'm, I'm just telling you the national average of people that do this stuff. And I know there's many things that, that play into that, and there's many things that go, that go in it. There is no condemnation here. But what I think that shows us is that I don't know if people in the church have switched their idea of what success is from what the culture says to what the kingdom says. And, and that is why one of the goals we have at LifeHouse is to help people see their stuff in light of eternity, to live in light of eternity. Because when you live in light of your last day, it changes the way you handle your temporary stuff. Because here, here's, here's the thing. When you realize it's not yours and you're living for, for an eternal ROI, we all want to return on what we invest, right? That, that's, why, that, that's why we do it. But that's why in the kingdom, the ROI becomes eternal. But also, too, giving and stewarding your stuff is a formative act that helps you become more like Jesus. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He was essentially saying, what you value on this planet, your heart will go there. And that is why whenever you give, whenever you invest, whether it's, it's in the church here or, or whether it's to, to a person individually, whether it's to something that's close to your heart, whenever you give, giving is a defiant act saying money will not rule me. And that's why we say at our church, we give to form our hearts and fuel the vision. All you heard that the God did in, the, in and through our church is because many people invested. It's because people said, I want to invest in my discipleship to Jesus by becoming a more generous person, but I also want to invest in seeing the kingdom of God move forward through the local church. We do not guilt people, shame, shame, shame people. We want giving to be a want to, not a have to. And we believe that, when the, that whenever you give, it makes you better. It breaks the power of greed. It breaks the power of greed in your life and how the culture, the, the, the tsunamis get more, have more, just, just more, 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 more. But whenever you give, you punch more in the face and you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I know who my king, my provider is. But if we have a group of people that are living differently with their stuff, just as you read Acts chapter 2, they said they were generous, they shared, they it was just crazy how they saw their stuff. This will share and shout and show to the world who Jesus is, that he's a generous God, a loving God, a kind God, a God that wants to know him. So here's the thing, y'all. Y'all heard my heart. 
invite all people to live this uncommon life. Passionate about discipleship, about community, getting in the game, not being a spectator, leaving a legacy, being stewards of handing on stuff. Well, I want to share a story with you real quick of somebody within our church that we have seen God do this in his life. Let me share with you Brad's, Brad's story. Check this out. Hey, everybody. My name is Bradford. I'm from South Carolina. I'm 27 years old. I'd like to share a story about how substance abuse runs in my family and it ruled over my life for many years. In high school, I started drinking heavily. Um, I graduated high school, started working in my family restaurant, started using drugs. Drugs and alcohol controlled me, had me stuck for a long, long time. Um, I have a, a little brother, an older sister, and a dad who are addicts and alcoholics. And I decided for me to set foot on a new path and join the Navy. I moved to Virginia four years ago and I continued drinking heavily. And about a year after that, uh, thanks to God, I was walking home from work one morning, met Pastor John and uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And he sparked up a conversation and invited me to Lifehouse. I started going to Lifehouse and over time, I decided to follow Jesus. After God saved me from many years of suffering with addiction from alcohol and drugs, God also saved me from the addiction of pornography and premarital sex, where four months after I became sober from substance abuse, I was sitting in my bed one day and God spoke to me. And he said, you're no longer gonna watch pornography and, have and have partake in premarital sex and pornography anymore. So then I just looked at my TV where the TV was a black screen. And I said, yes no more you know speaking about substance abuse and how it ruled over me for many years and i suffered from it for so long which i think brought me closer to god because i remember when i first started to seek jesus all i could think about was how long i suffered and how he was he was the path he was the way he was and so i'd like to share how i have a dad and a little brother and an older sister who are still in the dark and still stuck in their ways of drug addiction and alcohol abuse. So after my lifestyle was changed and I decided to start following Jesus, um, after a while, I started serving in the church and, and, and I joined a community where we can do life together. And it was so important to me where now I, I look forward to every Sunday to just, I, I'm fulfilled by just serving in the church and being a part of the team and being in the game. So I look forward to witnessing to my shipmates and preaching the gospel in the Navy and on board my ship. And hopefully that'll lead to me and my dream to one day plant a church back home and that'll give my family an opportunity to get in the game and hopefully one day change their life as well and that's my life changed through Christ story. Life House, can we? How I'm living. Praise. I remember meeting this dude Brad at Dunkin Donuts 6 a.m. downtown Newport News right before the One City Marathon. 
was just over there getting volunteers donuts. Went in there, saw him. We started chopping it up a little bit, talking. And I was just like, hey, hey bro, if you don't have a church home, man, come and check out Life House. Just to invite him and with his country twang. Yeah, man, I'm come check it out one time. You know, man? Now, you know, the country twang, you know. And, and just to see what God has done in Brad's life from an invitation, an invitation, a simple invitation that could lead to a church being planted back in his hometown that Lifehouse would love to be a part of. Right, right now on his ship, he's the Christian representation when they're going to be going out in July for deployment. So he's going to be preaching like every single week. He's, he's, like, he's like, Pastor John, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, I know. <laughs> We got to work with you. But simple invitation, y'all. Look what God can do. Look what God can do. But like I said, this isn't something that this vision isn't about what we want for you or that we want from you. This is what we want for you. We want to create an ecosystem in our church where you will just naturally gravitate towards loving Jesus more. That hopefully by next year, you'll be like, I love Jesus more. I've rethought some things. Like, I'm getting emotionally and relationally healthy. Like, I'm identifying bad habits and bad mindsets and things that were keeping me from being relationally healthy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know who I am in Christ, what, what my gifts are, and I'm not on the spectator. I'm not a spectator no more. I'm, I'm in the game. And it's like, yo, it's like I'm seeing my stuff differently, and I'm stewarding it and investing it to move the kingdom of God forward. We want to create an ecosystem at our church where we gravitate towards that. That's the vision of our church. And if God grows it, that's on him. But this is the kind of people God has called us to by God's grace to see us become so we can live this uncommon life and share with the world this uncommon God. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757 757- 690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.